0: From from Robert T. Kiyosaki's book, Fake, Fake Money, Fake Teachers, Fake Assets: How Lies Are Making the Poor and Middle Class Poorer, Chapter Fifteen, Who Took My Money? How Retirement, Pensions, and Fake Assets Are Causing the Poor and Middle Class to Grow Poorer. Since two thousand and eight, the four biggest central banks have printed over nine trillion to save the world economy. Where did all that money go? Who got the money? Did you? And why are so many pensions going broke? Threats to the world economy. Today, as I write in late 2018, there are four serious threats to the world economy. They are, one, rising interest rates. After 2008, the central banks of the world lowered interest rates to the lowest levels in recent history. The central banks needed people to borrow money. Cheap debt blew the world into massive asset bubbles. Stocks, bonds, real estate, and businesses became hot air balloons. Rising interest rates will bring these hot air balloons down. 2. China China is in trouble. China may have the worst debt-to-GDP ratio of all major countries. China borrowed and loaned out more money than any other country. If China crashes, the world crashes. Countries like Australia and Brazil that export raw materials to China suffer when China struggles. 3. A strong U.S. dollar When President Trump lowered tax rates, especially for B-quadrant businesses, the United States became a tax haven. Billions poured into the U.S. economy, causing the U.S. dollar to grow stronger. A strong dollar is not good for workers because U.S. products become more expensive and jobs are lost if demand for U.S. products drops. A strong U.S. dollar is not good for emerging countries that borrowed in U.S. dollars. A strong U.S. dollar means their currency becomes weaker. This makes it harder for these smaller countries and companies to pay off their debt in U.S. dollars. Four, pensions. As stated in an earlier chapter, worker pensions all over the world are going bust. In the United States, Social Security and Medicare are on light support. Just as millions of Baby boomers retire and need to rely on these social programs. Here's a fact you may be familiar with. The number one cause of bankruptcy in America is medical expenses. In 2030, the year baby boomers became super seniors, 85 plus, the global pension system may collapse just when baby boomers need the money most. Repeating quotes on the growing pension crisis from the previous chapter, the IMF warns, The biggest source of risk comes from state and local government retirement pensions. Simon Black warns, Spain's pension fund is almost fully depleted. The United Kingdom has trillions of pounds worth of unfunded public pensions. Even conservative Switzerland has a public pension that's only 69% funded, a seemingly fantastic number by today's dismal standards. Martin Armstrong warns: the largest public pension fund in the United States is the California Public Employees Retirement System (CalPERS) for civil servants. California is in a state of very serious insolvency. We strongly advise our clients to get out before it's too late. Reuters warns: the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation to become insolvent within a decade. The public, the pension. Benefit Guarantee Corporation is the U.S. government agency that acts as a backup to trouble pension plans by insuring the pensions of millions of American workers. If millions of workers contributed trillions of dollars into these pension funds, why are these funds going broke? Who got all that money? A better question might be, why are the rich getting richer? Answer. A picture is worth a thousand words. There's a chart here that shows the poor getting poor, so it's just a chart from the this? The source is the Congressional Benefit Office, and basically shows there's a zero gain, and underneath the zero gain, it shows the poor, it shows going down. The middle class you know, kind of going up a little bit, but staying pretty much right above the zero gain line and the rich all the way up to 150% and more. Question. Wait a minute. Are you saying our pension money flowed from the poor and middle class to the rich? Answer. I am. Without real financial education, the poor and middle class are lost in space. They have no idea how their money and wealth are being stolen by the rich via the money they work for, their taxes, their homes, their savings, and their retirement accounts the cash heist. In 1983, I read Bookie Fuller's book, Grunch of the Giants. Grunch, you may recall, stands for Gross Universal Cash Heist. In 1983, I became a student for the first time in my life, wanting to find out how grunch stole our wealth. I found out grunch steals our wealth via our governance, our educational systems, our money, religions, banks, and Wall Street. The following are five ways Grunch steals our wealth buyer our money, savings, and investments. Five reasons why the poor middle class lose. During the 1950s and 1960s, only gamblers invested in the stock market. It was considered unethical for a financial advisor to recommend stocks to their clients. The fear of the 1929 stock market crash and decades-long depression that followed remained fresh on the World War II generation's minds. During the 1950s and 1960s, smart investors purchased government bonds or saved money. In the 1950s to 1960s, my poor dad and my rich dad were savers. Saving money was safer than the stock market because after the 1944 Bretton Woods Agreement, the U.S. dollar was backed by gold. The U.S. dollar became the reserve currency of the world, or good as gold. In 1971, Nixon put the final nail in the coffin of the gold standard. The dollar and all government money became debt. Gamblers took over the government casino. Debtors became winners and savers became losers. The educational systems of the world would never mention this crucial turn of events in world history. Poor dad continued to save. He did not change. He was counting on his savings and government pension to save him. Rich Dad did change. He had to change because, as an entrepreneur, he did not have a government paycheck or pension to fall back on. Sometime in 1973, Rich Dad changed his tune entirely. In 1973, after realizing what the government was up to, Rich Dad came up with his lesson number one, which is... The rich do not work for money. In 1973, Rich Dad realized money was toxic, designed to steal the wealth of anyone who worked for money, saved money, or invested money in government-sponsored investments such as 401Ks, IRAs, stocks, mutual funds, and ETFs. In 1973, Rich Dad advised his son and me to learn to use debt to acquire assets. That is why I took my first real estate course. I also took stocks and bond courses, as well as my certified financial planner courses. After 1990, interest rates began to decline. Poor and middle-class savers became losers. After 1990, the gamblers led by the Fed, big banks, and U.S. Treasury began printing more and more money to save themselves and their rich friends. Printing money made the working poor and middle class poorer because fake money creates inflation, and inflation makes life more expensive. Repeating rich dad's lesson number one, the rich dad do not work for money. Repeating poor dad's lesson, go to school, get a job and work for money, save money and get out of debt. I did not listen to my poor dad. A brief history of a heist. After 1971, gamblers became winners. Note, notice the accelerated rise uh, and illustrated in the 125-year history of Dow Jones Industrial Average, the stock market, after 1971. In the 1970s, business schools started to badmouth gold, calling it by John Maynard Keynes' phrase, a barbaric relic. Today, most MBA graduates and corporate executives only know fake money and fake assets. They do not know much about God's money, gold and silver. In the 1970s, poor and middle-class kids were admitted to Ivy League schools, schools for the rich. In his book, Tailspin, Stephen Brill writes about how poor and middle-class kids like him were admitted to the Ivy League schools and began, began rubbing shoulders with multi-generational, really rich kids, rich kids whose parents owned businesses and real estate like the Kennedys, the Bush family, and Trump's family. Poor and middle-class students of our finest schools, such as Barack Obama and, and Bill and Hillary Clinton, realized they had to catch up to their rich classmates. Notice all three are attorneys, as Brill also as Brill, also an attorney from Yale, writes, attorneys from poor and middle class backgrounds began inventing fake assets, financially engineered derivatives that made them richer, but ripped off the poor and middle class. In nineteen seventy two, President Nixon Nixon opened the doors to China. The working poor became poorer as wages stagnated and or jobs were lost. In nineteen seventy four, ERISA, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, was passed. ERISA, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. ERISA was published, was, ERISA was pushed through by the lobbyists, big banks, the Fed, Wall Street, and thousands of other special interest groups, the military, teachers' unions, and NGOs, the swamp, as President Trump calls them, that want government tax dollars. Four years later, we saw the origin, the origins of the 401K. ERISA 401Ks and IRAs are products of the swamp. ERISA paved the way for the 401K, IRAs, and employee pension plans. ERISA opened the doors to the big casino known as the stock and bond markets to millions of poor and middle-class workers without any financial education. As leaders printed money, ripping off most workers, a few middle class investors, such as my rich dad, caught on to the heist and did not and did well as a stock. on. As leaders printed money ripping off most workers, a few middle class investors such as my rich dad caught on to the heist and did well as the stock, bond, and real estate markets were blown into bubbles. By 1978, millions of amateurs were forced into the giant casinos of banks and Wall Street, owned by the rich. Rich Dad called these giant casinos the House of Cards. This House of Cards became even more unstable in 1999, when the 1933 Glass-Steagall Act, which separated commercial and investment banking activities, was repealed. President Bill Clinton and his band of elite bandits, led by Treasury Secretary Robert Rubin, former co-chair of Goldman Sachs and chairman emeritus of Council on Foreign Relations, put the nail in the coffin of the working class, poor, and middle class. Question. How did the Glass-Steagall Act put the nail in the coffin of the working, poor, and middle class? Answer. Glass-Steagall allowed bankers to take mom-and-pop's savings and invest their savings in the great casino. When the casino lost mom-and-pop's money, the Fed and U.S. Treasury bailed out the casino, saving the rich at the expense of mom-and-pop's future. The rich bet mom-and-pop's money. The rich lose mom-and-pop's money. Mom-and-pop pay for the loss of their money via taxes, and the bailout money pays the bonuses of the rich who bet and lost mom and pop's money. The House of Cards collapses. Even with all this abuse of mom and pop, things were okay. After all, who cares if only a few million people are stepped on? Then the House of Cards begins to wobble. In 1998, the foundations of Global Paper Casino began, began to crumble, and giant crashes began. After the 2008 crash, the global central banks and U.S. government printed an estimated nine trillion to save themselves and their friends. As I write in 2018, the world is in another giant bubble economy. Stock, bond, and real estate prices have made millions of gamblers very rich. Between 1971 to 2018, gamblers were the winners. Between 1971 and 2018, the poor and middle-class workers who worked hard to earn fake money, saved fake money, and then invested it in fake assets run by fake fund managers educated in our finest business schools, became today's biggest losers. Three giant bubbles. Giant bubble number one. 1998, Thailand bust. 1999, long-term capital management bust. 2000.com dot-com bust giant bubble number two 2008 real estate derivatives bust giant bubble number three bubble top year eight 2018 in 2018 as interest rates rose stock and real estate markets fell according to cnbc super rich asians lost over 100 billion in the first six months of 2018 in the asian bear markets it's been reported that between October 1st and 14th, 2018, an estimated $6 trillion evaporated from global capital markets. Is the end near? Were the crashes of 2018 a sign that the rich have left the casino? Ten years after 2008, are mom and pop about to lose again? Triple tops. I don't know if I can hear. I thought I was going to go to sleep. lot. Can't take a break on here. <clears throat> triple tops. Triple tops. Alright, triple tops. Uh, when I was in high school, I spent most of my time surfing or gazing out the classroom window, watching for ocean spells. Every surfer knows giant waves come in sets, generally sets of three. This means when if you miss the first two waves, turn and head out to sea. That means when if you miss the first two waves, turn and head out to sea. The giant third wave is coming. I vividly remember the biggest wave I ever rode. It was winter, the time when the giant waves hit the shores of Hawaii. I should not have been in the water. I should have been standing on the beach with the crowd, gathering to watch the show. The waves were bigger than my surfing ability, yet ego got me into the water and kept me in the water. On this day, I heard a surfer much farther out from me shout, outside. That meant I was too far inside, right in the break zone. Immediately, I turned my board and paddled frantically hoping to get outside. The first of the waves was like a mountain. I barely got over the top, only to see the second mountain heading heading toward the shore. As I cleared the top of the first wave, I saw the outside surfers still paddling. I knew the giant third wave was coming. I knew I had to catch the second wave or get wiped out by the third wave. I was a little late on my takeoff on the second wave. I estimate it was a 12 to 15 foot swell. It probably crested to 18 feet as I stood and took the drop. My legs wanted to quit as I raced ahead of the wave crashing behind me, but somehow I kept my balance, rode as far as I could, got to the beach, picked up my board and ran as fast as I could up the beach to get out of the way of the third wave that was just beginning to crash. The sight of fellow surfers going up to the face of the giant third wave, not making it, watching the swell crest, then break and seeing their boards flying through the air is burned in my memory. When people ask me how I learned to time markets, I simply say, I grew up surfing. So there's a chart here and it says the chart shows the biggest financial waves in history. The giant crash of 1929. Nixon takes the dollar off the gold standard in 1971. Rich Dad Company founded 1997, what the fuck does that have to do with it? Anyway, notice the three peaks. In Trader Talk, this chart pattern is known as a triple top. Yeah, I see that. That's 2000. it's 1999, 2008, and 2008. The first top was 1998. The second top was in 2008. When will we see the third top? Historically, the third peak signals a long-term exhaustion point. Often a plunge follows after the third peak. I suspect that between 2019 and 2025, many amateur gamblers who are rich today may become tomorrow's biggest losers. Question. When will the giant crash occur? Answer. I grew up on the big island of Hawaii, the island where the volcano is erupting today. Before every eruption, there were foreshocks, which are small earthquakes that warn the residents an eruption or giant earthquake is coming. After the eruption or giant earthquake, there are aftershocks. Today, as I write, the number of foreshocks is increasing. As I write, most Americans are happy because unemployment is low, jobs are plentiful, and wages are rising. Question What are some of the four shocks? Answer Rising national debt and entitlements, flash crashes in the bond market and stock market, major environmental disasters that will cause insurance rates to rise, cyber hacking, a global war on terrorism without end, and government leaders who fight. And call each other names rather than solve our national and global problems and nero fiddled there is an old saying that goes nero fiddled while rome burned the chart below shows america burning while our leaders raise money for their next election campaign and again it's a chart how did it show the people considered poor Getting even poorer, the middle class basically staying the same as they always have been, and huge spikes in the so-called rich. Continuing, in the golden age of gamblers, or is the, what the fuck is, there's no question right here. But anyway, is the golden age of gamblers coming to an end? As the saying goes, gambling, the sure way to get nothing for something. <laughs> I've never gambled in my life, I think it's so stupid. But people do it all the time. All right. um, As Matthew 2016 states, the last will be the first and the first will be last. This book is dedicated to those who may be last today and who want to be first tomorrow. Here are, are the four additional reasons how retirement, pensions, and fake assets cause the poor and middle class to become poorer. Reason number two. Inflation. Blessed are the young, for they shall inherit the national debt. Herbert Hoover. If there were no government guaranteed student loans, college tuition would be much lower. Gary Johnson. Concern for the coming generations. Baby boomers in the United States had an easy life. We grew up during the biggest economic boom in world history. Their children and grandchildren, Gen X, the millennial generation born after 1982 and the Gen Z, Internet generation born after 1995, have a very hard road ahead. Not only are many millennials unemployed or underemployed, but many start their adult lives burdened by onerous student loan debt. They also inherit a massive national debt, a financial disaster left behind by their parents, grandparents and great grandparents. History will haunt the future generations. If the future generations do not change a corrupted system, what will their children and grandchildren inherit? Quote, By a continuing process of inflation, government can confiscate, secretly and unobserved, an important part of the wealth of their citizens. John Maynard Keynes, 1883-1946. to Quote, The way to crush the bourgeois middle class is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. Vladimir Lenin, 1870 to 1924. Quote, inflation destroys savings, impedes planning, and discourages investment. That means less productivity and a lower standard of living. Kevin Brady, 1955. Question. Why does the government want inflation? Answer. To pay the national debt with cheaper dollars. Question. What happens if the government fails to create inflation? Answer. The opposite side of the same coin is deflation. If there is excessive deflation, the U.S. and world economies may slide into the next Great Depression. Question. Are you saying the government wants us to work for inflated dollars that are worth less than yes? Answer. Yes. Question. How does the government create inflation? Answer. There are many ways. One is via printing money. Printing money makes money less valuable. As long as the government and banks are printing money, savers are losers debtors are winners. Remember, the banking system is based on printing money. It is known as the fractional reserve system. That means for every dollar a saver saves, the bank is allowed to lend out a fraction of that money. If the fractional reserve is 10%, a bank may lend out $9 to debtors for every $10 of saver money. When the $9 goes to the debtor's bank, the debtor's bank may lend out $8.10. The sad truth is, there is only $1 of real money in savings. That is why if savers panic, banks may not be able to give the savers back their money. Bail-ins. We have all heard of bailouts. In the future, they may be bail-ins, which means the money you have in the bank is converted into bank stock. You become an investor in the bank. That is why it may be smart to get a fire-rated home safe and keep gold, silver, cash, and important documents out of banks. Fake safes. Some people have fake safes. If the person is robbed, the owner may show the robber their fake safe and let the robber have their fake valuables, such as fake jewelry and fake Rolex watches. Their real safe is best out of the home, in a storage locker, or behind a fake wall. Better yet, if you have a lot to protect, you may want to keep your valuables in another country, but do it legally. Many people secretly hide money and wealth overseas, but do it illegally, and it can be confiscated. There are attorneys who specialize in this type of legal offshore banking. If you do anything I write about, please do it legally. The definition of money. In part one of this book, I wrote about the criteria in order for money to be money. Number one, money is a store of value. After 1971, all government money became toxic and could not be trusted to be a store of value. By definition, all government money is no longer money because it no no longer holds value. There's no more gold backing. 2. Money is a unit of account. The U.S. dollar is a globally accepted unit of account. For now. 3. Money is a medium of exchange. Again, the U.S. dollar is a globally accepted medium of exchange. For now. Question. So, one reason why the poor and middle class grow poorer is because they trust government money such as the US dollar? Answer yes. After 1971, all government money became toxic, stealing the wealth of those who work for money and save money. Reason number three Real assets make the rich richer. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is a billionaire. Do you think he became a billionaire because he receives a billion dollar paycheck? The median income of an Amazon employee is $20,446 in 2017. Jeff Bezos earns more than $28,466 in 12 seconds. Jeff Bezos' annual paycheck is only $1.7 million. Although Jeff, Although Bezos' salary of $1.7 million a year may technically be low, there's a reason he's called the richest man in the world. His net worth his is skyrocketing, mostly due to the fact that he owns about 80 million shares of Amazon stock. This same chart explains why Jeff Bezos is so rich. There's a chart. I can't read. I'm not going to read the chart. But every month, a portion of the billions of dollars from millions of workers, 401ks, and retirement plans flow from their paychecks into shares of Amazon stock. Jeff gets richer, although his salary may stay the same. Lesson, cash and flow are the two most important words in the world of money. Every month, retirement cash flows from the moms and pops of the world into the pockets of the Jeff Bezoses of the world. Reason number four, crashes make the rich richer. When the market crashes, and it always does, the poor and middle class are wiped out. When markets crash, the rich simply borrow money and buy back workers' shares at bargain-basement prices. Bargain-basement. Reason number five, rubber chicken dinners. When I was just starting out in search of my formulas for riches, I would go to rubber chicken dinners, RCDs that reminded me of political fundraisers. At these rubber chicken dinners, potential clients would sit, people like me, have an art have a rubber chicken dinner, Then listen to a presentation by a money management company or financial planner. At a number of these rubber chicken dinners, I nearly threw up the rubber chicken. I could not believe people could swallow the rubber chicken BS. Question. How do the rich get richer if pension funds are going broke? Answer. The name of the game is assets under management. Even if mom and pop's investments are not making money, the rich make money via fees and more fees from assets under management. Forbes, May 27, 2013. Forbes, May 27, 2013. The heavy toll of investment fees. The thought of giving up 40% per year in investment return to pay for portfolio management and advice would cause most people to walk away. Yet this is the price many people pay when they hire an investment advisor to manage a mutual fund portfolio or exchange-traded fund ETF portfolio. Nerd Wallet, May 11, 2016. How a 1% fee could cost millennials $590,000 in retirement savings. Everyone talks about the benefits of compounding interest. NerdWallet's analysis found that from age 45 to 65, the loss of fees increases from 12% to over 25%. Everyone talks about the benefits of compounding interest, but few mention the danger of compounding fees, says Kyle Ramsey, NerdWallet's head of investing and retirement. The cost of a rubber chicken dinner. I have gone to many rubber chicken dinners. At these dinners, I listened to financial experts tell me how their magic formula will make me rich. At one of these rubber chicken dinners, I broke up my calculator, read the glossy brochures, fine print, and computed the total amount in fees I would pay if I started investing at the age of 35. The numbers were stunning. If I started investing just $750 a month into a 401k, I would be paying over $2.5 million in fees and hidden fees if the account returned to 8% a year. You can buy a lot of rubber chicken dinners for $2.5 million. I had my accountant verify my numbers, and all he said was, it was a good thing you walked away. What disturbed me were the number of people who did not walk away. Most were waiting in line to sign up for a personal financial analysis. Why were they waiting in line? Because most were not happy with the returns of their current financial advisor. As I stated earlier, the name of the game is Assets Under Management, not return on investment for the client. The hotshot from New York's magic formula was not that magical. As best as I could ascertain, the expert's magic formula was not much more than following the S&P's 500-something anyone with a 5th grade education could do. The same hotshot claimed his fees were only 1%. Yet, when I studied the fine print, the fees were much higher. Much higher. This did not stop desperate people from throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars, possibly millions, at him. Question. What were the people desperate for? Answer. Most average investors seek return on investment, ROI yield, or capital gains. They simply want their money to grow, not shrink. Fewer than 5% of fund managers beat the market. Yet fund managers always win, even if you lose. Rather than watch the stock market go up and down, I think it's smarter to watch the percentage in fees fund managers are charging. And there are all kinds of fees. Point. Brokerage account fee. This could be an annual fee to maintain a brokerage account, a subscription for premium research to help with trading strategy, and or a fee to access trading platforms. Point. Trade commissions. Charged by a broker when you buy or sell certain investments such as stocks. Point. Mutual fund transaction fee. Charged by a broker to buy and or sell some mutual funds. Point. Expense ratio. An annual fee charged by all mutual funds, index funds, and exchange traded funds as a percentage of your investment in the fund. Point. Sales load. A sales charge or commission on some mutual funds paid to the broker or salesperson who sold the fund. Point management or advisory fee typically a percentage of assets under of assets under management paid by an investor to a financial advisor point 401k fee an administrative fee to maintain the plan often passed on to the plan participants by the employer a real certified financial planner longtime friend john mcgregor has been certified financial planner for over 25 years. John wrote a book called The Top 10 Reasons the Rich Go Broke. His book is about real horror stories of rich people following a financial planner's advice and losing everything. John's book is a must-read for anyone who has their retirement in managed funds. John tells a funny story of going to one of these rubber chicken dinners and noticing the financial expert looked familiar. John suddenly realized the expert was not a fund manager but a Hollywood actor who has appeared in many TV commercials. At this dinner, the actor was only playing a fund manager. John said he got sick watching almost everyone in the room lining up to give this actor their money. Return on fees. I realize people need money. That is why brokerage firms charge money for fees, commissions, advice, and for management. I do not begrudge anyone their right to fees or commissions. My point is, investors need to beware of the words on average because averages are lies. ROI and ROF, return on fees. Analyze your fees. If you have a retirement account or are investing in government endorsed plans such as a 401k or IRA filled with mutual funds, ETFs, and money market accounts, first look into the fees, not the returns. If you're not good in math or reading the fine print, hire someone like an accountant or attorney to read and analyze the fine print for you. It may be worth millions over the long term, much, much more than the fee your accountant or attorney charges you. The fees you pay your accountant or attorney to read the fine print may be worth more than a college education. I pay a lot of money in fees. Why? Because my return on fees is fantastic. I pay thousands of dollars in fees to my partner and rich dad advisors Ken McElroy's real estate investment company. Why? Because Ken's ROI is infinite. Ken does not charge a fee until investors have all their money back. After the investor's money is returned, then Ken shares in the ROI, which for Kim and me is in the millions. And infinite return is the antithesis of fake. More on this later. Oh, there's a lot. All right, you continue with the case for higher commissions later. I.